Welcome back to Calamity Janes, the weekly disaster podcast hosted by me, Madison. And and me, Bailey. Yes. Uh, We like to talk about disasters uh, because no one else will with us. Uh, So we made a podcast. No one, honestly. Every time we get this look that's like, ooh. Ooh. And so here we are. And here you are with us, so thanks and for not doing so that. We're so happy. Yes, we're so happy you're here. Yeah. We talk about disasters, calamities, uh, and that's Stuff our that goes wrong. Yeah, exactly. And oh boy, did it this week. Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess that's what I signed up for. I don't know why I have the same reaction. Like You I'm always not, act I, surprised I when something bad happens. It's disappointed. It's like, really? You couldn't have surprised me with like a, oh, we thought it was bad, but... Well, this du- okay. This isn't gonna be the worst thing I've ever told you. Okay, the bar is very low for the worst. <laughs> okay. So go on. Okay, let's get into it. Great. <laughs> and on that note, or on that note, here we go. At nine twenty-six p.m. on April twenty-fifth, two thousand six, a shallow magnitude two point three earthquake triggered a mine collapse at the Beaconsfield Gold Mine in northern Tasmania. That's it's in Australia. two. It's two disasters. <laughs> it, it is two disasters. Uh, did you hear me? I told you that Tasmania is in Australia. Um, I, I did, and I okay. appreciate you saying that because at first my my gut reaction to that was indignation but i know later on in this podcast i would have said and where's tasmania yeah exactly and i only bring that up because i had to double check and look it up yes uh but i was listening to our um balloon fest one recently where Mm -hmm. it took you about four tries to figure out where cleveland is so i just figured i would help you and we Um, do have listeners in australia so so I don't offend anyone. I yes. guess I couldn't remember where Cleveland was. You I need could to go not back to place it. I How listen to it for me. Who doesn't know where Cleveland <laughs> is? Well, you knew it was in Ohio, but every time I told you something about it, you were like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> oh, I think because I was imagining you were talking about like this happening in a big city, and so I'm like Chicago, right? I'm like envisioning like a big, big city. No, this that's happened. definitely not what it was. It no? was like it was definitely that you just didn't know where Cleveland was. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, cut me a break, Moo. Like, <laughs> no, no breaks will be cut. Definitely not. Uh, well, fine. fine. Okay. Um, I think <laughs> I know. I don't think he's in Ohio. I have been watching a lot of Indian Matchmaker recently, and one... I just just started the second season. Yeah, so one of the people in this season is in Ohio. I forget whether it's Cleveland or not. He's a doctor, um, and he's in Ohio. And so I was like, Ohio, you never hear about that state or its cities enough, except for the (laughs) Balloon Fest one. You should go listen to that episode. That's true. I'm sure Ohio is just lovely. Okay. I'm sure. Anyways, we are at a gold mine. There's been a small earthquake. 14 of the miners working in the area managed to escape right away. But three men remained. Not great. Their fate was unclear, and there was no way to communicate with any of them. Nevertheless, rescue efforts began right away, despite the mining company expressing, as they put, grave concerns for the miners. I think everyone probably had grave concerns for the miners. Mm Mm-hmm. A remote-controlled, heavy, earth-moving loader fitted with cameras was used to make headway on the rescue. Did you tell the me machine... what year this was? <sighs> you did. 
2006. Okay. I mean, my first clue was remote controlled something or other. And that's when I was like, wait a second. I've been envisioning this in the wrong. First of all, it took me a while to place myself back in Tasmania and not in <laughs> not Ohio. Ohio. Yes. Yeah. You're talking about a mine and I'm like, right, mine in Ohio. Nope. Not in Ohio. We're in Australia. <laughs> and we are in the year, not 1905. 2006. 2006. Okay. And I'm back. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, the machine drilled down 925 meters. So that's the other thing. you got to adjust your brain to meters because okay. that's all I'm using. And began moving anything in its path in an effort to reach the remaining three miners. After two days of drilling, and on April 27th at 7.22 a.m., yeah, oh, get ready, man, the body of Paul Knight was found. Paul had been driving a telehandler, which Google tells me is short for telescopic handler, and is essentially a multi-purpose vehicle that can bear different attachments to lift or move people and materials. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's kind of like, like, I would imagine the base part of like a crane. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. He's operating heavy machinery. Yes. yes. Yeah. This particular telehandler sounds like it had its long arm outstretched with a mesh basket attached to the end. Mm-hmm. So the basket was meant to hold the other two miners that were still missing. Upon finding Paul's body, rescuers determined their current rescue route had become too dangerous and they needed a new access point. On April 29th, they began blasting a new tunnel using at least six explosions. Rescuers were careful with these explosions for not only their own safety, but for the safety of the two men they hoped were still alive. Right. And how do you even begin to know? Yeah. Well, and it had been four days. I mean, even if they survived the initial like collapse Mm -hmm. have four days is a long time to be without some very important things that they Mm -hmm. likely did not have yeah at 5 45 p.m on april 30th rescuers pat ball and steve saltmarsh entered the area where the men were expected to be and yelled out begging and hoping for a reply they quickly received a we're in here much to everyone's relief they Stop. soon discovered that after five days, the remaining missing miners, Brant Webb and Todd Russell, were still alive. <gasps> so let's back up and see what Webb and Russell have been doing this whole time. Amu, you made me... Th- okay, you're not going to break... Okay, go, keep going. Keep going. I don't want to know. I do want to know, but I don't okay. want to know. Keep going. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you. Thank you. you. Have to Please stop do. Talking. Okay. <laughs> Other than being completely hardcore and fighting for their lives... Webb and Russell had been enduring decidedly grueling conditions. The two were in the basket on the outstretched end of the teleloader when the mine collapsed. At the time, they'd been placing steel mesh on a barricade. In lieu of a ceiling above them, they were crushed tightly together underneath an expanse of tightly packed small rocks that threatened collapse at every moment. Their shared space was no larger than a child's playhouse, that was uh, a comparison I kept seeing, and so I'm, I'm, what I'm imagining there is like, you know, like the outdoor, like little castle little or little yeah. house, yeah. And these are two large men in their thirties, uh, in that space. They're... Sorry, they don't both get a playhouse. They are together in no. one playhouse. They are in one playhouse. Okay, I see. Uh, and oh, there was only enough room for one of them to lie down at a time. Yeah. 
So in addition, a piece of steel three meters long had impaled their basket, further limiting their space. If it had gone centimeters in a different direction, would have either of them could have oh. been killed. The this sacred space had been partially filled with rock after the collapse. Webb had been knocked unconscious briefly, and Russell's lower half was completely buried. Sorry. Thankfully, both men were able to free themselves by cutting through their clothes and boots. And Webb regained consciousness and right. overall seemed like he was doing okay. Mm-hmm. So, I know what you're thinking. Five days. Where's the water? Right. Where's the food? The men had been able to drink groundwater that seeped through the threatening ceiling of precarious rocks above them by collecting it in their helmets. I did wonder this. I was like, well, it's a mine. So, in theory, there'd be, like, some sort of groundwater runoff. But, like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. But to be, like, I guess, like, fortunate enough to to be where you were able to collect mm-hmm. it was... Well, also, did you tell me what kind of mine this was? It's a gold mine gold mine okay well i so i ask as a great reminder for my best friends i know you guys were also wondering but i don't know what the byproducts of mining gold are and so the other thought oh, i had not was a clue like, what is it dangerous yeah like you're, you have yeah. water running through what and i mean yeah. if i'm them i'm like i don't care what it's i'll figure it out later right like yeah um but just as a as we are talking about it now i'm like okay mm-hmm. That's a great question. I'm not sure. I do not know. Uh, so Webb also discovered a granola bar in his pocket. He cut it in half and split it with Russell. They first agreed to wait to eat any of it for one day, 24 hours. Mm-hmm. But the longer rescue took, the longer the men waited. They didn't eat any of their respective halves until four days after the collapse. They went four days without any food. Just the groundwater they were collecting. And they, all they had was a granola bar to look forward to. Half a granola bar to look forward to. Then, once they did start eating it, they only ate really small portions. Unfortunately for Russell, he lost most of his half when it fell out of his pocket. Yeah. Oh, no. I don't know if this is true, but I have to imagine that Webb shared part of his half with him. I would have... I would think so, or maybe he didn't tell, because he's like, this is, I don't know, what do you do? What do you do when you're either of them? This is... Are you stressed out? I am. I am very stressed out, because I also think you're still going to break my heart, but let's go. Okay. (laughs) When the rescuers began those six blasts to pioneer a new route to the men, Webb and Russell began recording the date and time on their clothes of each blast. So, uh, sorry, the date and time of each blast on their clothes. So if they were dead by the time they were finally reached, rescuers would know that they had been alive and when they died exactly. Did they have light? Uh, they might have had a little they bit of light. or something? Yeah, something like that. Um, each explosion dislodged rocks around the men, and the two worked tirelessly to empty their cage as quickly as it was filled. Because they were thinking, you know, with all of these blasts, obviously everyone's being very careful, but... All, Everything's everything unstable. above them is, yeah, completely unstable. Everything above them is just, like, thousands of tiny rocks uh. that, you know, enough of them fall, big rocks are going to fall. So they were just hoping. Yeah. <laughs> and they had to, you know, but it did, each explosion did keep dropping rocks on them, and they had to keep trying to clear them out. Oof. Yeah. So 
between the blasts, they wrote letters to their families and sang The Gambler by Kenny Rogers, the only song they both knew. Really? All the songs in the world and that they only knew <laughs> one together. I guess that you also know all the words. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then for the first time in five days, they heard a new voice. It was that of the rescuers. Hope was renewed for all, but the story is far from over. Oh, uh... I know. Sorry. Not really. This is what you signed up for. Go on. After the rescuers reached the point of being within earshot of the men, one rescuer found a direct route to the basket and was able to get close enough to shake Russell's hand. We're making headway. Uh, yeah, but the last time you shared a story with this, a similar situation, it did not end well. This route was soon deemed unsafe. Yeah. Okay. However, Webb and Russell were packed tightly in their cage and warned the rescuers not to cut through the wire on the cage since it held so much weight from the rocks that had fallen right. on top of right. it and the men. Yeah. So, we had to rethink some things. Uh-huh. So, rescuers then drilled a smaller hole through the 14.5 meters of rock between the head of the access tunnel and the area of the side tunnel where the men were trapped. Is there a diagram of this anywhere? I, it is very no, hard to visualize. No, <laughs> I know. There might be a, a good diagram out there. I, th- this is not... You, those are not the details that I need you to focus okay. on because I'm I just, cannot I'm really explain them well to you. I really love visualizing uh, situations. I know. And so it's just very... I you're know, like, me too. Oh, from this shaft and this corner, and then we're coming from this, and I'm like, I'm directionless I here. I'm just, I didn't even yeah. know this was in Tasmania for the first third of the story. So, like, I just... That was the first sentence, Bailey. It was the first sentence I told you. I know. And then we got caught up on Cleveland. And so (laughs) just bear with me. Webb and Russell, being hardcore like they are, were even able to assist the rescuers by listening for the direction of the drilling and directing the rescuers. They aided in their own rescue. I... But thank goodness they... Or like they yes. had, because yeah. I just think about how I would be with minimal water, entering a lot of water, and no food yeah. over the course of that many days, and to be uh, conscious and mentally with it enough to be able to help people and like know what's happening is just incredible, incredible. Yeah. Soon, a three and a half inch diameter hole reached the men that enabled them to receive food, water, and communication equipment. Okay, I was like, unless Stuart Little is going to rescue them, they're going to need a bigger head. <laughs> yes. But food through a yeah. three, I mean... I know, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. That's not very big. No, not very big at all. As of May 1st, rescuers were still 12 meters from the men. So they've been down there for six days now. Or seven days. Oh. Six days. There are 30 days in April. Uh, okay. I understand what you mean when you say this is a long story because I kind of thought we were going to like, boom, boom, see him. Now you see him, now you don't. Like we're getting him out of here. Nope. Okay. It became apparent to all that there was still a considerable way to go, including you, apparently. Yeah. At this point, Webb and Russell were sent a digital camera, a torch, dry clothes, because also keep in mind this water that they're collecting in their helmets is still just dripping down on them, so they've been, like, damp Damp, this whole time. which is really not good for a long time. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So dry clothes, magazines, 
iPods loaded with music from the Foo Fighters, specifically requested. Nice. Deodorant and toothpaste. Nice, nice. Okay. They were also able to communicate with their families for the first time. Oh, that's so good. Russell asked for a newspaper so he could browse for a new job. A mine official questioned why he'd want a new job since he already had one as a miner. Russell told him to stick it up his dot dot dot. You'll probably get to this, but what? He might not need a job after this. Like, I understand that you assume some sort of risk when you take a job of this nature. But uh, this doesn't, I don't, mm, I don't, I think a lot of people won't have their jobs after this. That's what I think. We will talk about that a little bit at the end. The next piece of machinery needed arrived on May 3rd. The next three days were spent carefully and meticulously drilling a rescue tunnel. The following days involved even more meticulous drilling and even more troubleshooting. Finally, after 14 nights at 4.27 a.m., rescuers reached the men. They were stuck in that little playhouse Ugh. space for two weeks. Two weeks. But, I mean, it, that's horrible. Horrible. But if you if you have the steady stream of, like, communication and food and, you know, like, reassurance, I don't know. That does a lot for the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, don't yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's a horrible... I wouldn't want that for me or anyone, mm-hmm. but, man... Yeah. On May 9th, both men were freed from their cage. By 5.58 a.m., Webb and Russell exited the mine, punching their fists in the air and basked in the fresh air and cheering from everyone who had so anxiously awaited their rescue. So, like, they are literally out, out. Yeah. Okay. They are out. Out. They are on the crust. Terra firma, blue skies. Okay. Yep. Both men recovered from their injuries and were reunited with their families. Amazing. They had, um, like, obviously a bunch of bumps and bruises. PTSD. One of them had a knee injury. Well, certainly. Uh, like, a, some compressed discs. Things like that. You know, mm-hmm. from being crushed. Yes, crushed, literally. And just, being oh. cramped for weeks. But thankfully, physically, they seem to have mostly mm-hmm. healed. Thank goodness. Oh, here is devastating news okay less than six hours after his rescue russell who had just been released from the hospital joined more than a thousand attendees at larry knight's funeral which had been postponed repeatedly in the hopes that the two remaining men would be alive to attend Mm -hmm. dave grohl who uh the food fighters yes heard about the miner's request to have his music played on the ipod and offered the men two tickets to any show and two cold beers very nice. One miner took him up on that offer in October of that year. After a discussion about his time trough below, the Foo Fighters wrote an instrumental tribute called Ballad of Beaconsfield Miners. Mm. You can listen to it on YouTube. The Australian Workers Union met with the miners on May 15th. Following the meeting, it was reported that no miner had any safety training, and all miners were unhappy with reduction, with reductions in the amount of cement used to close and support parts of the, of the mine. There were board grievances that all basically added up to an unsafe workplace. Uh, yeah, clearly. Okay. Yes. And what was done about that? Um, so the mine instituted more safety procedures and reopened for several years, later closed to become a tourist attraction. Uh, uh, but coming okay. out of this, well, I think 
I don't think you know what I don't know I guess I you're not going like all the way down 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 maybe it's just but it's also yeah. like uh I feel like a tourist attraction like I really hope that the funds from that attraction go to something productive and it's not just like I agree hmm, how how can I make money out of this tra- tragedy like you know what I'm saying yeah completely more miners are sorry more mines are now using remote controlled loaders to do work that was previously done by miners nice. Although humans are still very much involved in the mines, they are now in safer places that are less likely to be disturbed by small seismic activity like this particular instance. Because a magnitude 2.3 earthquake, I also saw 2.2 in some places, but 2.3 earthquake is usually not not really an event, but it certainly was Mm -hmm. there. Additionally, Australia introduced new legislation requiring employers to perform more extensive risk assessments. Okay. 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 So that was originally my last paragraph because I knew what you were going to tell me was, can we end this on a positive note? So now I have my other paragraph, which is not positive. And you did this to yourself. Unfortunately, an article I found from 2016 reported that Webb has really struggled after his rescue. He has understandably suffered great trauma and in many ways had to start again after his experience. Mm -hmm. He's working multiple jobs and dealing with depression. Russell, similarly, separated from his wife and, according to her, began acting more angrily with their children. He is apparently leading a fire brigade now and bought a piece of land. So I think I speak for both of us when I say I sincerely hope both men receive the help they need and deserve after such a harrowing experience. Mm -hmm. So those there could be much, much more recent information, more accurate information. That was just what I found. So I included it. Thank you. But I sincerely hope that that information has changed. Yeah. And is out of date. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, how how do you go move on Don't from you? something yeah, like that? Like completely. how life-changing, you know, period, period. How life-changing. Right. Could, could not blame them in the slightest for dealing with the, you know, for undergoing that trauma and how it comes out after that. Yeah. I tough, tough stuff. Mm-hmm. But that is the story of the Beaconsfield mine collapse. Madison, what an incredible story. Thank you for sharing it with us this week. I, the twists, the turns, unbelievable and true. True. So thank goodness it sounds like something was done because of this. Hopefully more safety measures were implemented. And as you were actually talking Mm -hmm. about it and talking about the robotics, I kind of thought, as someone who is truly ignorant to the realities of mining, (laughs) why aren't more robotics, like, why isn't it predominantly robotic now? And I'm not trying to put anyone out of the job, but like from a safety standpoint. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I wish I had more of an opportunity to do a little bit of a deep dive on that particular point of this. I know nothing about mining. Yeah. I also I have my friend Ben comes from like a, a mining family, I think. Mm-hmm. And I should have asked For him sure. Guest. a little bit about this too. Guest host. Uh, oh, also I want, as an aside, uh, my friend Kayla, who has been an avid listener of the podcast we love you, Kayla. since before we even published. Yes. We love you so much. Kayla recommended this to me. So shout thank out, you, Kayla. Kayla. This fascinating. Thank you so much. Yes. This was incredible to learn about yeah so we'll have to do more mine collapses in the future for sure and not where i thought it was going where are they scary given the earthquake element yes yeah 
So this is this is what I got. I'm glad that you liked it, and I'm glad it made you really uncomfortable. So glad my unhappiness and discomfort can bring you uh, joy, Moo. It always anytime, does. Anytime. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, and thank you, best no friends, problem. for listening. We always appreciate it, especially when you give us uh, recommendations like this. We, we always love learning about new disasters, new ways that they can possibly, hopefully, uh, improve the world yes. we live in. Absolutely. We love to see learning. We love to see improvement. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have something you want to hear us talk about or have us cover, please let us know. I know one time someone sent us in a recommendation. We did it and I forgot their name and I promised that won't again. So if you, you send have one us, job. I know. So if you send us something and we use it, we will... Uh, Maybe not it. actually. I will say try my hardest it. So to credit you. Send it to okay, us I'm and sorry. then prepare to be forgotten. <laughs> I'm sorry. I will do my best. Uh, but yes, please rate, review, subscribe, tell people that you like listening to us. Find the person that you can talk about things that you're morbidly curious about and tell them to come yes, find us. Please do. Or please do. We'd love to grow our circle. For sure. Well, I think <laughs> that's it for us this week, Moo. It sounds like we're winding down uh, to you, dear best friends. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we look forward to seeing you here being in your ears this time next week catching you next week catch, i think is what you told yes. me to say catching we'll <laughs> catch you next oh yeah that's what i did yeah we'll catch you next week goodbye <laughs> goodbye